You're listening to a bonus episode of the Lifestylist Podcast featuring my friend Aaron Alexander. Now, earlier today, we released a full-on Lifestylist Podcast episode with him, but this bonus show is a Q&A recorded at an undisclosed secret location in Malibu with a live audience. And uh, many of the members of the audience and the people asking the questions on mic that you will hear are actual listeners of this podcast. So you might have even been there yourself if you attended Thank you for coming. So that's what's going to happen here. Here's what we talk about in this recording. Why Aaron is always squatting, getting more movement on airplanes without getting on some uh, terrorist watch list. Uh, the fact that children know so much about their bodies and then unlearn it. And Aaron's message is really about teaching us to learn how to move like children again, teaching your kids the value of intuition, how the shape and movement of your body affects how we think and how we feel, the role of emotional trauma in how your body moves and sits, doing psychological surgery, how important it is to tap into your inner child, the relationship between nutrition and awareness, and finally, my favorite question of the evening, how do we turn our sexuality into a movement practice? Now, since the recording of this Q&A, Aaron's released a new tool to help people with self-care and exercise. It's called the Align Band. I have it. It's awesome, especially for travel when you're getting super tweaked from flying and hotels and whatnot. With Aaron's instructional videos as a guide, you will immediately have access to all these self-care practices, mobilizations, exercises, therapeutic techniques, pretty much everywhere that has a door because this thing connects to a door. That's how you use it. If you want to check out the Align Band, go to alignpodcast.com forward slash align band. That's alignpodcast.com forward slash align band. You can get 10% off this puppy by using the code Luke 10. So that's what's up. If you're just catching this episode and you didn't hear the one from earlier today, the official episode with Aaron, definitely get back and listen to that. But this one's really fun. It's a shorter episode. And as I said, there is a lot of crowd participation and it was at night and people were having some cocktails. It was quite loose. So this is the first show that I've done kind of with this format and uh, I recorded it and I thought, I don't know if I'll put it out. We'll see how it goes, but it went really well. So I'm excited to do some more of these kind of off the cuff episodes and there's no ads in this show. And, you know, it's just, it's a true bonus episode just for you and your enjoyment. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, the other thing I just want to remind you of is next Tuesday, we have a guest coming on the show that I've been after for a long time. I mean, I've been stalking this guy because I love his work so much. It's transformed my life. It continues to do so. That guest is none other than Dr. Joe Dispenza. Now, I know Joe's been on quite a few other podcasts. I think I've heard every one he's ever done. And I have to say, the one that I did with him recorded at uh, a tune, a great event out in Atlanta, is probably one of the more interesting Dispenza talks you've ever heard. I mean, we get into some really trippy stuff. And I was so grateful to discover that he was willing to go there because some of my questions were really out there. And he just rolled with it. So that's next Tuesday. And then next Friday, we have another solo Q&A show. And that would be the ninth one coming out next Tuesday. So thank you so much for joining me on this bonus episode with Aaron Alexander. If you enjoy the show, I ask you a huge favor. If you could just go to your podcast app and leave a rating and review in iTunes, it's really easy to do on the Apple podcast app. You just scroll all the way to the bottom of my feed. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. The very bottom, you'll see a prompt that says, write a review. And you can do it right on your phone now, which is cool. It used to be very difficult. And I'm sure if you listen to podcasts, guests are always bugging you to do this. There's a reason why, dog. We're not just desperate for accolades. Uh, it really, really helps us rise to the top of the charts in iTunes. 
And I have a friendly competition right now with Aaron because last time I checked the health category, he was like 10 spots above me. I think I was number 90 out of 200 and he was in the 80s or something like that. And uh, I texted him a screen grab. I'm like, I'm gaining on you, bastard. Uh, But aside from friendly competition, it's just a great way to get the show uh, in front of more people. And so, you know, if you don't want to shop at lukestory.com forward slash store where you know, I get commission on some of the sales there. If you don't want to buy the Align Band, uh, the Align Band, sorry, um, that's all good. No need to spend money listening to this show if you don't have it or don't want to, or if the products don't align. But something you could do for free that literally will take you less than two minutes, but have a huge impact on me and the work I'm doing, would be to leave a rating and review. So, with that, I leave you with this really fun conversation with Aaron. And thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate you. So here we are at an undisclosed location in Malibu, California. It's a secret kind of club, you know, as it were. Celebrities and whatnot could be on the premises. Uh, And we're here to celebrate the Align Method, Aaron Alexander's new book. And um, for those that are listening to this as a podcast later, we just went through all kinds of really fascinating movement exercises and some ohms. Not the kind of ohming where you touch private parts, which I've covered on the show previously, but the traditional ohming that's a sound. Those of you that laughed know the other type, obviously. Um, but it's been a really great night. And so now we're going to move into a couple questions for Aaron. And um, I'll just kind of help facilitate that. Who would like to start? Kyle Kingsbury, you're up. So after a long flight, obviously, I've eaten dinners with you. And you seem to always be in a squat or full lotus, even while you're driving your Prius. <laughs> which is interesting if you need a break. But... Aside from that, uh, long flight or somewhere where you can't get into a good position, what is the first position you put yourself in to unwind from the flight position or from the seated position? Certainly. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody, but just going through a deep squat is one of the most valuable things that you can do for yourself at any time. Um, you know, so we had mentioned previously cultures that spend time going through those positions, particularly spending time on the ground, um, have very low incidence of osteoarthritis of the hips. Um, really minimal also with the knees. Uh, pelvic floor dysfunction is diminished greatly. Uh, fall risk just goes away. That's like, what do you mean? That's, you know, fall risk. Like I'm up and down off the ground a hundred times a day. Like that's, what are you talking about? You know, so as you're going through that full squat range of motion, you can literally think of your body and your hips and your pelvic floor and your, your viscera, your organs. It's as though you are plunging that system. So if you're backed up, you know, kind of like a toilet, you're backed up throughout that plane ride and you're just kind of stagnating. What you could really use is a plunge of all of that fluid. And as you go through that squatting or malasana in like yoga speak, you're literally circulating and plunging and moving all that stuff from the feet and the legs and lower compartments back up to the heart and the lymph nodes and all that to be recirculated. I have a quick interjection of a question. Yeah. When it comes to movement on an airplane, yeah. have you found that there's an optimal place to do it without getting like a terror alert on yourself? <laughs> I, usually, I usually sit toward the front of the plane, ideally, you know, for obvious reasons, yeah, right. on and off and all that. And yeah. I'll go up into the front little, uh, you know, area where the coffee is and whatnot. And they don't seem to like that at all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think we could go in the back or so something that do? I do? So this is going to be extra ridiculous probably for some people, but I'm almost six, five and I'm probably less than two twenty now, but uh, sometimes I'm 220 pounds on airplanes and I will go up into a, a little squat position 
occasionally. I know that doesn't work for everybody. Um, but if that's not accessible, you could literally just pull your legs and your knees up for just a second and just kind of give yourself like a little hug. You know, in yoga classes, sometimes they'll have you like kiss your knees at the end. It's very cute. Um, but you don't need to do that unless you want to. Um, but just pull those legs up because you want to assist that circulation of fluid to come back up into your heart so you're a healthy pond. You know, so think if your body is this you know, aqueous, I don't know, I don't want to call it a skin bag. That sounds uh, not very, very nice. Uh, but it's, it's this aqueous container and you need to circulate that container just like any pond. And so certain ponds necessitate certain gallons per hour pumps. If you've ever built a pond at your house, um, that used to be my, before this whole line method kick, I wanted to be a landscape architect and build ponds. So now I have lots of pond analogies in the book. Um, you know, so, but the, as you're building that pond, you would get, okay, I need a thousand gallons per hour, whatever it may be. Uh, that's the same thing with your body. You need to get that circulation regularly. You also need to go into different places. And just the act of raising your feet up at any time will help facilitate that circulation of fluid back up into the pump to be pushed back out. And then you're a healthier pond, body of water. That's what we are. When I hear the things you talk about, it's easy for me to be like, why was this never taught in school? So my question is, how would you implement an align method in a traditional public school setting? Like how could yeah. kids and high school kids and college kids implement this ideally? I think that uh, children are, will very soon, if not now be smarter than the teachers. And I think a lot of this change within school systems or government or anything, I think the change can come both top down and bottom up. And I think by teaching your kids this at home now or getting your kids the book or listening to podcasts or whatever, I'm like just educating them on those principles so they can go in and unanimously start to be able to instruct their teachers. Uh, I think that there's going to actually be, I think that's a really powerful thing to, to uh, teach your kids to kind of be the teachers in a way and trust their own intuition because children know more about their bodies than anybody in this room. Without a doubt. You know, like everything that you see a child before kindergarten or preschool do, that's it. Like that's the ticket. They roll around and they raise their legs up and they touch things and they put different things that are potentially have bacteria and they're, they're tasting and they're looking out in the window and then they look, lick the wall. You know, you don't just need to lick the wall, but there's, you know, that's a, an opportunity for you to develop uh, your immune system. In that point, as opposed to kind of putting ourselves in these uh, incubators, these tubes to protect ourselves in this static position, which seems very safe, uh, but the long term, it's actually immensely, immensely dangerous. So uh, I don't think I, res I don't really think I have the best response to that. Um, but that would be, that would probably be the, the thing would be teaching your kids to actually value their intuition and not necessarily just like, um, um, concede to teachers saying that they have to stand still. They have to look at the screen. Uh, trust your intuition to like, I want to look out the window right now. If you're feeling like you need to look out the window, Bobby, like have a window moment, you know, because that might prevent you from needing anti-anxiety medication at some point. My question is in regards to um, hunched over posture that you see 
specifically around the elderly, at least in the developed world. Like my father, for example, I even just watched a special about a a lifetime climber and he was still hunched over. I imagine it's because of how much we sit. Um, I also imagine the antidote would be going in the reverse direction, like cobra or camel or something, but you're probably not going to do that in anywhere near the proportion of time you're hunched over given computers. What are some of the ways we can train our bodies so that we don't find ourselves hunched over later in life looking at our shoelaces. Yeah. Um, get a really comfortable rug at your house and get floor cushions and pillows and, uh, you know, make a, a floor space highly inhabitable. And uh, as you just walk into that room, inevitably you're going to start to, oh, cool, I'm going to lay down on my side here and then I'm going to go over my other side and then I'm going to be on my belly. And no, I'm going to, they call this, what do they call this in the yoga class, honey? Sphinx pose. Oh, I'm doing a sphinx pose. You know, like all of those positions have, it's things that our bodies have done forever. And like yoga, the, the, you know, asana is one of the eight limbs of yoga. And the original intention of going through those movements in yoga was to actually prepare our bodies for a seated practice. No, but it's like our bodies have naturally been going through these ranges of motions for, you know, a really long time. And what has changed is our environment has shifted so that when you walk into the room, what happens, like, check out the room right now. We're all in here healing our bodies. You know, we're all on pillows. You got Justin over here massaging his stuff. He's got his legs up. You know, we're all literally essentially in a yoga class right now. How did it happen when we first came in the room? Everybody found a sofa and they kind of, because that's the shape of the room. You know, so there's the Einstein quote. He said the, the particle uh, be, is regulated and contained by the, by the field. You know, so like we're a bunch of little happy particles moving through the world and we're contained and regulated by the, the shape of our environment. So if you want to create change, literally just change the shape of the aquarium that you put the fish into and all of a sudden they start to kind of like swim, swim differently. It's kind of a stretch of analogy, but And I I will just vouch that uh, he practices what he preaches because he came over to my house a couple (laughs) days ago. And when I, when I moved in my place, I I mean, I took six months to buy the furniture. I was very particular, like just had to be the right chair, mid-century modern, real (laughs) super tits layout. He comes in, doesn't touch the fucking furniture <laughs> once, and is just rolling around. You know, yeah. but I think it's almost like <laughs> you, you almost have to have two living rooms, like two setups, like chill zone, like this with a cushy floor, where one could kind of have that movement. And then, if you actually have to have more of a traditional setting, perhaps a room that has actual furniture in it, where people sit. Old school, you know. Well, so what will happen inevitably is you'll have the space. You could start off that. You know, you, you'll have the space. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to try this align method stuff. I'm going to put a, you know, I'm going to put a nice comfy rug down. I'm going to get some pillows. I'm going to put that area near a window. I'm going to get natural light. Maybe I'm going to open the window, get that full spectrum of light, you know, and then as well, that'll allow some of those, those fight insides and all those chemicals to come in and boost my immune system. And, you know, the whole Shinrin Yoku, Japanese nature bathing stuff will come into that area that will heal my body. And then that will be the thing that I do as a contained experiment that will eventually become your life because it feels so good. You know, so yeah, do that. You know, it'd be sick. You know, it'd be a sick niche uh, uh, thing to offer would be an interior designer that can 
make your house sort of furniture less, but not look atrocious. Yeah. Because you know, there yeah, are right. people a- online who will remain unnamed because I don't want to be disparaging, but I interviewed one of them and her home has no furniture and it's like a big jungle gym. And that's yeah. dope because you're going to have a family that moves well, but it's not appealing to the eye. Well, there's also you know nothing wrong with, there's also nothing wrong with a couch. Like it's, I mean, let's be real. Yeah. No, I don't absolutely. want a shit made out of plywood in my no. living room, you know? Like I agree. A two by fours from Home Depot, yeah. some fake ass jungle no. gym couch. Yeah. Yeah. I obviously know exactly what you're talking about, but that there's no, uh, there's nothing wrong with a chair. There's nothing wrong with a couch. There's nothing wrong with a car. There's nothing wrong with an airplane. Like everything is a tool, you know? So it's like, if you can spend time in that couch in positions kind of like we're doing right now, we're essentially just on a big couch. It's just the floor. But if all of a sudden you get under a couch, do the same stuff that you're doing, then there's no problem. And you can use the, the edge, the, the shoulder armrest. It's like, oh, cool. That's like a foam roller. Oh, interesting. I'll put my thoracic spine over that. And I'll, you know, reach my arms up overhead and do a little flexion. You know, I'll kind of feel my breath. And that feedback and that connection of my, my thoracic spine and my ribs into that armrest, holy crap, I'm like at a physical therapist office now. Good point. I like <laughs> Who's next? You just solved the whole problem. Thank you. Hi. My question is, I've heard that the body is like an antenna and it receives a signal. So what does the shape of our body, how does that affect how we think or even what we think? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so that's the first chapter of the Align Method book. That's, it's called Posture and Personality. and essentially just like goes completely entirely into that question. Um, and then the last chapter is about mindfulness and how your thoughts and feelings affects your, your postural patterns. Kind of it's two sides of the same coin, bottom up, top down. Um, and it's a really interesting thing to feel into and just notice for a moment if you've ever think back right now, like imagine a time that you've been scared, you know, and notice what's like, like method act that feel what that is. Okay. My shoulders go up and my breath gets shortened and it goes, you know, breathing up into my clavicular area. And, you know, I mean, my eyes get opened up wide. I mean, my hands contract. I'm like, oh. You know, and so all of those patterns, they're all tied into your nervous system, particularly uh, muscles around the neck. It's so like sternocleidomastoid and scalenes and like all these guys and facial muscles. All of those, there's a guy called Paul Ekman um, who studied the facial expressions of various different tribes and cultures around the world. He found, uh, he defined 10,000 different facial expressions for these various different people with, with meanings on each one of them. And he found it was universal among all the people. So there's no like, oh, these people do this with their eyes. Or this is like, no, no, like that's deeply tied into your, you know, since times of you were being a reptile or a mammal or maybe even, I don't know, a single celled organism, you know, if like a, if there's a cell and all of a sudden there's a, a bright light or a bang, the cell goes, and <gasps> contract. Okay. And then, okay, now it's all like salt water and sunlight and, you know, it's warm and open. I was like, okay, oh, I open up. Like, that's you. That's the human cell. You know, and so the same thing goes in when a person is proud or feels content or feels loved or feels safe. Like, what happens from that? We literally just did it in the workshop. People start, shoulders drop. They start, and sound comes in because we're always tuning ourselves. You know, and people go, oh, Anytime you hear that, you can pretty much paint a picture for what the postural patterns it's connected to. It's not going to be a person, 
all jacked up with their shoulders and eyes wide open going, ah, like it's, you can't even do it. Um, you know, so as far as like the, the, like a, the body being a, a tuning fork or something, I mean, it's like, I think it's, if you don't think that that's the case, and then you can stretch that out into the way that you relate in relationships. You know, if you see somebody uh, and you connect with them in a really open way and you feel safe and you feel stable and you feel supportive and you feel like you don't want anything from that person, all of a sudden they go, I want to get closer. You know, and if all of a sudden you feel contracted and twisted and, you know, okay, I'll be your buddy, but I really want that money. They sense that and it's in your body. You know, and so, yeah, we're always, we're always tuning. Aaron, uh, so I've been a fan for quite a while since we met, uh, but also a friend. And um, one thing that I, I guess we never got to speak about when we were speaking is about the role of trauma and how it sort of dictates the way your body moves and or the way you sit. So as you develop this method, have you seen anything or come across anything trauma being stored in the body, maybe particularly the fascia, the joint somewhere that um, really piqued your interest? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, and that's, I think, is kind of like the next frontier of deeper interest for me to, to, to go into. Because uh, I think that's the question. Like, that's it. I think, like, 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 cool, like, that's the rest of my life. I think that could be the question. I, think I just keep on going into that. Um, you know, and I've been kind of, this is like a kind of somewhat of a, like a fresh idea. Uh, so just perhaps, like, be open to play with something for a second. We have these containers of perceptions and belief of who we are. So I was talking about this with Michael Trainer on his podcast today, actually. Um, we have this belief of, okay, cool. I'm like a, I'm like a McDonald's kind of person, you know, and I want the discount thing. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to that girl because she, she wouldn't accept me. She wouldn't understand me. She would, she would shoot me down. You know, okay, cool. So I kind of, I have this mold and this belief of, okay, this is who I am. Maybe I learned that from my parents. Maybe I learned that from my whoever. But you literally, you create this internal mold, structural, mental, emotional mold, because I think they're all the same thing. Um, or at least they're all like interconnected for who you are. And if something breaks outside of that mold, typically we kind of resist it and push it away. And I, when someone is able to change a postural pattern, like really inhabit a new pattern, they also need to have the spaciousness and the resources to be able to change that emotional pattern and change the thought pattern and their belief systems and maybe the shape of their home, uh, maybe their meditation practice or lack thereof, maybe the way that they walk. I swear, I swing my arms different when I'm confident. When I don't think that that girl will accept me, my arms move a little differently when I walk up to her. When I know that I'd be the best thing that could ever happen to this woman, oh, I'm a little bit different. You know, so it's, we have this shape of who we believe we are. And then if you're able to go in and kind of do like psychological surgery or physical therapy or body work or whatever it is, then we can start to augment that shape. Um, and then we need to be resourced enough to be able to maintain it because it'll just, it'll just change if we don't. I don't know that that was a response, but that was, it's something that I've been finding, I've been tinkering with. I think it's like, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about the exercises that we did earlier was the playfulness, the kind of tap into your inner child 
uniqueness of um, what we were doing uh, with each other. So when it comes to the alignment method, how important and what role does tapping into your inner child have to do with the alignment method? And mm. where do you see that being beneficial? Yeah. So I think so in the, in the, in the chapter, uh, we did the second chapter of the book. So the first chapter is posture and personality. Um, second chapter is, is all about play. And play is one of those things. One, it, it's something that you see a healthy, well-adapted being do. And if that being feels unsafe or unsure, um, then they're not going to be quite, they're not going to play well with others. You know, and that's the fastest way to jump someone's nervous system back into a parasympathetic, calm, rest, digest state is through um, physical interaction and social engagement. You know, so again, kind of like sound and like everything else we, we were talking about, uh, we have these inboard tuning mechanisms to heal our nervous system and put us back into a healing place. And play is one of the primary ones. Um, that's not to mention all the neurological benefits and, um, I mean, just I mean, everything. Like, say a thing that's good for the human animal and it's like, yeah, yeah, play does that. Um, you know, but something that I found interesting that was kind of, again, just perspective shaping was taking play, I think sometimes people maybe even listen to this may think play and you're like, okay, cool. I need to, you know, get a Scrabble board or I got to start doing these silly things. It's going to be embarrassing. Like play can be when you order a drink from the bar, you're playful with the bartender. You know, play can be the, the filter, a subtle little shift of your filter that you perceive the world from and be like, man, this kind of is like a big game I'm in, huh? Interesting. You know, maybe I could start to add a little bit more playfulness into every interaction throughout the day. And what we do as we do that is we're kind of lighting each person up that we talk to and we incorporate some of that play into them. And then they're like, Whoop, you kind of played me up. And they go and they play somebody else. And then eventually, you know, we all save the world, I think, through play. I'm just joking serious. <laughs> Hi. So I know that your book isn't focused on nutrition, but my question is, what is the relationship between nutrition and becoming a clear channel and having awareness of what's happening in your body? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I specifically didn't, I talked a little bit about, about nutrition. I suggested people drink magnesium, you know, and lemon water. Um, I just, I don't consider myself, I think the nutritional battle of dogmas is just like too bloody for me to have any interest in getting a part of. Um, whereas movement is one of those things. It's like, let me see you deadlift. You know, if your spine blows out or you just can't pick the weight up and there's, 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 you know, it's engineering a building. So it's really hard to disagree with somebody around certain movement mechanical principles. And so I'm like, cool, I, I like that. I'll stick with that. Cause there's not, there's not as much argument in the, in the movement space, but I think that your postural patterns are a representation of your, uh, the way that you think, the way that you feel, as I've already said, you know, ad nauseum, and your self-value. You know, your own value systems are tied into the way that you move and operate your, your physical form and through the world. And so if you move in such a way that feels like, man, I'm a fucking loser, you know, or man, like I'm the man, like I got I to take care of this thing. You know, you can kind of see the way that a person eats based off of the way that they move. Now, that could also be, wow, that person moves really, I don't want this to get conflated with moving really arrogantly because that could be something else. It still has meaning. 
you know, oh, maybe that person feels like he's invincible. He could eat anything, you know, but our belief systems are, are all wrapped up into our physical postural patterns and our belief systems around food. You know, it's, it's a part of the rope. It's like two ends of the same rope. And then, so that's one kind of more meta out there perspective. Then there's the obvious or maybe more obvious things of like, if you're eating an inflammatory diet, then that's going to affect the mobility and the range of motion of your joints. Um, it could create inflammation around your brain, which essentially is depression. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different angles to go to it from. Um, but yeah, that'd be a start. But I think it's a, yeah, I mean, it's a really important thing. And the Align Method, I particularly don't talk about nutrition that much because there's just so many books about it. Um, so I don't want to dilute the message, I guess. I think now would be a good time to just open up the paleo carnivore vegan debate. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> it's time. We're ready. <laughs> Last question. So no pressure. I think this is a similar question to what <laughs> Dr. G asked. So also a great podcast. For someone, for someone who has had trauma in their development, and then as a result, they have physical imbalances, mental, emotional, yeah. energetic, and yeah. even spiritual. In order to not necessarily fix this person, but to bring them more into alignment or more into their God-like potential or in this state that we're meant to be, hmm. what area would you focus on first in the physical, in the mental, in the spiritual, emotional? I think every person, so all of those are um, interconnected. And I think each person will resonate with different language. And if you're seeing a thoughtful practitioner, they will be well-versed in various different languages to be able to translate and communicate which language works best for this person that I'm with. And for some people, they would do really well with CrossFit language. You know, and they're like, cool, like, I think what I'm seeing in your patterns, it seems like you're kind of, you know, sad or this or that. Um, you know, it feels like you're kind of out of control in your life. It feels like you, you don't have, you don't feel very grounded. You're like, if you said that to maybe, you know, I don't know, whoever the person is that wouldn't receive that message very well, they might be like, oh, like, okay, like, this guy's a quack. He's an asshole. Like, he doesn't know me. I'm not into him. But that same person, you'd be like, I think it'd be cool if we started doing maybe some like overhead motion, you know, like you, I think you'd be good at snatches. I think you'd be good to pick that weight up and pull it and grab your hands in and, and feel really strong and grip, grip your feet down to that ground and feel that electrical storm turn on your body. Like you feel like you have some control of your body. And then I think it'd be cool if you got those arms up over your head and boom, and you caught that weight over your head. Slowly, that'll start to affect that person. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe three months, five months, eight months, whatever, that person's personality starts to change, but we never talked about emotions. He maybe or she maybe started to talk about emotions because inevitably they, their body and mind started to shift as their physical structure shifted. Um, but then there'd be another person that if you're like, I think you should start snatching, you know, 65-year-old Selma from Louisiana. And she'd be like, I hate you so much. And uh, this conversation's over. Like, I'm not going to snatch. Um, for that person, it'd be like, okay, yeah, well, um, I think maybe meditation would be really great. You know, like we, maybe we sit right now, we can do a thing and we can, you know, maybe we'll do some breath work. Have you ever heard of breath work? Like, oh yeah, I've never heard of breath work. What's breath work? Okay, well, here we go. We're going to breathe. We're going to emphasize that exhalation. 
Um, and then maybe we're going to sit for 20 minutes. And then, you know, maybe in that time frame, perhaps that person goes into something like, because they feel so safe and so supported and their deeper subconscious is, it's a safe place for them to start to kind of release what could be called like a samskara in like Buddhist talk, which is like an impression, deeply held impression. Maybe now it's a safe space to start to allow those impressions to start to come to the surface. And maybe Selma from Louisiana is kind of going into like one of those, like, you know, if a zebra gets attacked by a lion and it makes it out, it'll kind of like shiver itself out and kind of wiggle itself, you know, and maybe Selma all of a sudden she's kind of, there's like her eyes are twitching a little bit and her shoulders and she kind of all of a sudden just collapses and cries and just like, and she holds you and she feels supported and safe. And she kind of goes into this full reliving of this experience in a safe container that she can live it out in a way that she feels in control. But she wouldn't have responded very well to snatching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with your examples, would you agree that to focus more on the physical body to heal other areas of the mental or the spiritual, the body being the kind of like similar to like the root chakra, the grounding, focusing on that can heal the other areas? So like, yeah. kind of like my question was like, not what is most important to focus on, but kind of. Would you agree? I don't think there's any most. Like, there's some countries in Europe, I forget, I think it's like Finland, where like their advertising companies, they're literally not allowed to say best. Like, we just can't, we're just like best. Like, everybody's the best. You know, it's like, like, I don't know that there is a most that's a universal definitive, like, okay, always do the meditation breath thing or always do the thought journaling thing. I think it's always being sensitive enough and open enough to the individual that you're working with to listen and hear what is it that their deeper subconscious is, is once in that moment. And if you can shut the fuck up enough and get all of your dogmas and your principles and your, you know, your spreadsheets and your bullet points out of the fucking room, then all of a sudden they can come in and start to actually like heal themselves. I have one closing question for yeah. you because I just think it's the most obvious one and I can't believe you guys <laughs> all missed it. How do we turn our sexuality into a movement practice? Oh, wow. Well, one, uh, boom. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a huge thing. Your sexuality is a movement practice. Uh, and sexuality is one of those places that there's so much deeply ingrained shame in Western culture, at least, or maybe me, um, you know, my upbringing that's been intertwined on top of that. Um, you know, so I think that sexuality one you're being in like your most vulnerable state with another person you know and so just being very nurturing with that person and almost seeing it as like uh, like a ceremony you know and see it's like no we're we're entering into something that's you know talking about like psychological surgery and emotional like we're 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 like almost kind of we're going in and we're pulling wires deep inside of each other if we're open to that um, you know so that would I think treating sexuality like a ceremony and you're not just like banging each other's faces, unless that's a part of the ceremony, in which case bang away, uh, you know, because it's all, it's, I think it's all valuable. It just depends. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. Um, you know, and then there's the obvious thing of like, you know, circulating, moving your hips and getting the kundalini flowing and pelvic floor muscles going. And you can get into like sexual kung fu and strengthening the, the perineum and the, you know, I think that's a very valuable thing is to be able to learn how to, you can start to cultivate 
and move that sexual energy through your body as opposed to just being, for a man at least, just this explosive volcanic experience in your cock? Um, how do we take that nuclear fusion that's happening in your cock right now and how do we start to diffuse that up into the abdomen and down the legs and elsewhere throughout the body kind of similarly to the way that we were doing just a second ago with breath and with sound. We were moving and we were causing this reverberation through different parts of our body based off of the tones that we were making with our, you know, with our mouths. Uh, you can also do that with that, that energy in quotations that you're building up from having sex with somebody. And sex is like a, it's a, it's a really important practice and it should be loved. You know, it should be something that's cultures. There's an interesting fellow called James Prescott that did uh, research around various different cultures and the amount of contact that they had. We talked about this in your podcast. I think the amount of contact that they had uh, growing up and also the level of openness around sexual expression among adolescents and young people in general and cultures that were more open with sexual expression and more, it was okay to touch and, you know, twist and wrestle and your mom, there's a lot of contact. And then the baby got passed to the, you know, the next mom or dad, or maybe they don't even know who's the baby is um, because they're all kind of circulating. Uh, those people were far less or are far less warlike. You know, so we have, we build up anytime you plant a seed of shame in a boy or a girl eventually, if that does not get released, it will turn into something um, that uh, they're probably going to need to see a therapist about, or they're probably need to, you know, go have a, I don't know, plant medicine ceremony about and be, you know, have all these like little kernels of, of fear and shame. They don't just go away because the, the kid all of a sudden like stopped crying and kind of you know, button his shirt back up and pulled his pants up. Okay, cool. I'm back. It's like, you know, like the moment that shame happens, I think it's all of our responsibility as thoughtful people to uh, ameliorate that. And there's no, I don't, I don't, I mean, I could be wrong about this. I, I don't see any value. I'd have to think about this more. I'm kind of just like spitballing, but I don't see any value in shame in the human organism. I'd be curious your opinion. Can you see, can you find, it's like, no, this is, this is, shame's actually a good thing. I'm asking. I think that we could all use a lot less of it. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really, that's a really good question because as, as a, as a, as a youngin is reared and yeah. learning the ways of their immediate um, social circle and yeah. community, they need to somehow be taught what, to do and what not to do, right? And yeah. so yeah, totally. there has to be corrections. You can't just let one run wild. So I guess it's a matter of like if those corrections are um, are communicated in a way uh, that's bad rather than you're bad. Right, right. Exactly. That's it, it. You know, it's sort of that difference between um, so it's not identifying with guilt shame. and shame, like guilt being something like, oh, I fucked up rather than shame being I am a fuck up. Yeah, that's it. You know, so maybe shame doesn't. Fuck shame. I'm done. I think fuck shame. I mean, like I'm open. I'm going to stick corrected. with guilt. I'm still you know, feeling minor, minor doses of reasonable guilt. I mean, if this was like moderate a, regret, if this even. was like a yes, no swipe up, whatever, like where would you guys be with shame? Would you be like, I everybody's think, fuck shame unanimous. Right. I think we are in an at, echo chamber. At its core, it really is about there being something wrong with you. And ultimately, there's nothing wrong with anyone. It's just people make choices sometimes that are less than ideal. But it was that choice that was wrong. Yeah. No matter how heinous it might be on the scale of evil, even. It's not that that 
person is wrong. It's just that the choices in their behavior and their way of interacting with the world has negative consequences or a lower vibration. Author David Hawkins, does he say that shame is like in the least side of the spectrum of the human? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Power versus force. Is it? Yeah. Well, in the David Hawkins scale of consciousness, which is fascinating, yeah, um, being, you know, uh, unconditional love at the highest of that scale, and anyone listening can, can look it up, but the, the very lowest underneath shame is apathy, because in apathy, you don't even give a fuck enough to right. be ashamed. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That yeah, apathy so apathy is the lowest of all states of consciousness, according to that scale, and it, and it makes sense, and it's a fascinating thing to study, too, and I'm glad you looked it up, because each level brings you up to the next one. So even anger can be healthy as compared to apathy or shame, right? Because at least ang- anger mobilizes you up into a willingness to change something, right? So it's a, it's a fascinating uh, framework. Thank you for bringing that up. So yeah, I think we're good. Let's wrap this thing up. It's, well, I don't let's, know what give, time uh, is, let's give but... Aaron a hand, you guys, for all of his amazing work. And I'd like to just congratulate you on your book. It's a, a monumental feat. I know you worked really hard on it. You did a great job, and you're doing cool stuff in the world, man. So thanks for being you. Thank you. I feel it's absolutely mutual. Right on. Thanks for joining me for this live Q&A with my friend Aaron Alexander. Hey, check it out. If you like this format and you'd like to hear more of these live recordings with audience participation and just kind of... Uh, you know, a less planned, more spontaneous feel, please let me know. And of course, the best way to let me know that is, as I mentioned in the intro, to leave a rating and a review. Now, that's kind of a sneaky way of me begging you, pleading with you to please leave a rating and review. You can also just, you know, do something on Instagram or Facebook, uh, you can even write into the show. If you get my newsletter, which you can get by going to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. You can just reply to that newsletter. And I see most of those emails. And if I don't, someone from my team does. And if they're important or relevant, and if you're like, oh my God, I want more Q&A shows or more solo shows or live shows or whatever it is, just let us know. I aim to please. My job here is to create the most fantastic podcast in the world and rise to the top of the charts and Um, you know, get this message out to as many people as possible. So hopefully you enjoyed this format. I know I did. Don't forget, if you want to support Aaron's work, you can buy his book, which is fantastic. Of course, we talked about it in the episode that came out earlier today. Uh, And you can also check out his band, the Align Band. And you can do that by going to Align Band. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. The AlignPodcast.com forward slash Align Band. And uh, you can get one of those there. So thanks again for listening. I truly appreciate you. And I will be back invading your eardrums next Tuesday with Dr. Joe Dispenza.